Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman, and I am the founder of Directional Ministries located here in Lynchburg, Virginia. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Today we're going to pick up our study through the book of Acts, and we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, verse number 22, where it says, You men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved to God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Now, make no mistake here. Peter is still addressing Jews. Um, in verse number 14, if you back up, he says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. So the language clearly indicates this. He is still addressing the descendants of Jacob, whether they be from the northern kingdom of Israel or the southern kingdom of Judah. Of course, Rome ruled at the time, but they still knew what tribe they belonged to. They knew who they were. And I keep emphasizing this because somehow we we make this event Gentile. We make this event the birth of the church, the body of Christ, and it simply is not. Now, I taught that for years, but when you slow down and start reading the text and set aside the filters that we've, we've all been given, we all come to the scripture with filters, all of us. We see what we have been told to see. And for you to believe that Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the body of Christ, that would mean that you would have to believe that Christ was rejected in the Gospels and as such crucified and then opened the door for the Gentiles in Acts chapter number 2. But go back and read or listen to uh, my previous eight studies. Jesus came preaching the kingdom. Prepare ye the way for the kingdom, John the Baptist says. Repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is nigh. Not here, but near. So all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is no legitimate offer of the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 9 tells us clearly that there could not even have been a legitimate offer of the kingdom until after the death of the testator so that the sins that were committed under the Old Testament might be remitted. So until that happened, there was no way a new covenant could have been legitimately offered and accepted. The kingdom, it couldn't have happened. So Acts chapter number two is the crucifixion, the ascension, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as prophesied by Joel chapter two. And legit, the legitimate offer by Peter, as commissioned by Christ in the Gospels, upon you I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he was not speaking of the body of Christ. He was speaking of the kingdom church, the Jewish church. And Peter stood up. He said, I'll give you the keys. What you remit will be remitted, and what you loose will be loose, and what you bound will be bound 
All that was committed to Peter. And that's exactly what Peter did in Acts chapter number 2. He legitimately offered the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom to the nation of Israel. And as such, had they accepted it, the new covenant would have commenced into the kingdom. And then God would have used the Jews, the nation of Israel, to reach them, reach the Gentiles. That was God's original plan. And there's no way around that. And once you, you come to understand that, it, it totally, it's mind-blowing because you do not see the body of Christ where it is not. And so many things, so many things that are taught today would be so clear if we would but understand this difference. There's a difference between the kingdom church and the body of Christ. And Acts chapter number 2 is dealing with the kingdom church. It is the legitimate offer of the kingdom to the nation of Israel. Yes, they rejected it. Ultimately, they did. Paul raised, God raised up Paul, and he is the one that took the gospel of grace, which is not the same as the gospel of the kingdom, to the Gentiles. You and I are living in the dispensation or the age of grace, the age of the church, and such, all that should be saved, Jew and Gentile alike, will come in through the gospel of grace. The gospel of the kingdom at least should not be taught, but it is taught in practically every church. But it should not be taught. It will not be taught again until the great tribulation period when Daniel's 70th week starts again. That's why I make such a big deal out of it. And I hope you understand, and I, and I hope you don't you know, bow up and get all offended. I just hope you listen and understand what I'm, what I'm saying doesn't affect any of the fundamental doctrines of the faith. I mean, it doesn't affect the divinity of Christ. It doesn't affect the atonement. It doesn't affect the virgin birth. It doesn't affect the inherency of scripture. It doesn't affect, you know, the second coming. He's definitely coming back. But it does. I mean, it's a lens through which we view the scriptures. And, and I can promise you, if you'll just open your eyes to this, it, the scriptures will come, excuse me, will come alive again. Those in my Bible study have testified to this because they're reading the scriptures with an entirely different perspective. Who is speaking? Who are they speaking to? And what dispensation are they speaking to them under? They're either speaking to them still under the dispensation of the law, or they're speaking to them under the dispensation of the church. Again, it might have been written for you, but it was not necessarily written to you. It makes all the difference in the world. I hope you can come to understand this. So Peter says, hear these words. Literally means, listen to me. He is making the point that Jesus was approved by God because of the miracles that he had done in their midst. Paul also pointed this out when he said the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks demand wisdom in 1 Corinthians 1.22. Peter is clearly forcing the Jews here to a decision as to who the one they had just crucified truly was. And then in verse 23, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and the foreknowledge of God. In other words, this was all in God's plan. Christ had to be crucified. He had to die. The cross was his destiny. He was going to the cross. So to say that the pivot point, if you will, was when they crucified Christ, God immediately went to the Gentiles is wrong. It was 
predetermined the in the foreknowledge of God that he would be crucified. Ye have taken, and by wicked hands you've crucified and slain. No, it doesn't make their actions right. But it was already predetermined by God. So God had already determined Christ's crucifixion. It was not optional to the narrative. God, in his foreknowledge, knew that they would crucify him. After all, they had just they had to in order for a legitimate of, uh, offer of the kingdom to be made. Again, far too many people in the church today do not understand this. Instead, they'll say things like, you know, like I said, you know, once they've crucified him, immediately God turned to the Gentiles. My friend, that is simply not the case. Christ had to die before a legitimate offer could even be made to the king to of the kingdom, to the nation of Israel. Not to the Gentiles, to the nation of Israel. And again, if you read Hebrews 9.15 very slowly, for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. And, and in previous studies, we've talked about, are we, the body of Christ, under the New Testament? No. The New Covenant or New Testament, the words are synonymous, was to the Jewish nation, not to the Gentiles. None of the covenants are to the Gentiles. They are all to the Jews and only the Jews. So if you find yourself under covenant theology today, you might want to take a step back because the covenants are not for you. So he says, For this cause, the mediator of the New Testament by means of his death, for the redemption, why did he have to die? For the redemption of the transgressions that were under the, new, the first covenant, the old covenant. They, which are called, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So see, before the new covenant could be offered, redemption had to be made for the sins that were committed under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And the only way that could happen was by Christ's death on the cross. For where a testament is, there must of necessity be the death of a testator. Christ had to die before the New Testament or the New Covenant could be legitimized or could take effect. For a testament is in force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So in other words, it could not have been offered in the Gospels. For a testament is in force after men are dead. Jesus had to die first to forgive the sins that Israel had committed under the first testament in order for the second to be offered. And no, it was not offered to the Gentiles. We, the body of Christ, do not live under a covenant today. And we need to understand just how bad this confusion is. Think of the number of churches and ministries that have the words like covenant, new covenant, testament, new testament, new Jerusalem, kingdom, bride of Christ in their names. These are all misunderstandings of scripture. All of these words have to do with Israel, and we are not Israel. Unless you have bit into covenant theology and you have embraced replacement theology, which I believe is erroneous. And I'll even go out of a limb here. I think it, it borderlines on heresy, if not full-blown. Because you're taking what God offered to his people, the Jews, and placing it upon yourself. You were, well, what's the word? usurpers. <laughs> You're trying to take something that doesn't belong to you. In verse 24, and again, don't get offended by that. Just study the word of God. I love you. In verse 24, whom God hath raised 
up having loosed the pains of death. Why? Because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. In other words, you can't blame Pilate. You can't blame Rome. Peter is saying, you killed him. The Jewish nation killed him. Never, ever is the church, the body of Christ, accused of killing the Messiah. Sure, it was our sins. He died for our sins. Yeah, but we didn't put him on. The Jews did. They put him on the cross. And Peter is telling them that. In verse 25, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now, Peter shows them from, old, from the Old Testament that their actions were actually fulfilled prophecy. And he is quoting Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, to show that Christ had to die to be resurrected. That was a fact that even the apostles had overlooked. You remember back in, um, in Luke, let me get that, Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 31. Then he took unto him the twelve, and he said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, you know, Pilate, Rome, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he will rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. It went over their heads. They did not see the cross. Instead, they were looking for a kingdom. Constantly, James and John's mother, when you come into your kingdom, can my son sit on your right and your left? As they're coming back into Jerusalem, they suddenly expected the kingdom to appear. Even in Acts, the first chapter, will you at this time restore the kingdom? Folks, they wasn't looking for some spiritual kingdom that most of the church claims we're living in today. They weren't looking for a spiritual kingdom. They were looking for a physical kingdom, a descendant, a physical descendant of David to sit upon the throne in Jerusalem, ruling and reigning. They were looking for Christ's millennial kingdom on earth. That's what they were looking for. And then notice in verse 29, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and he's buried. And his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. That's what they were looking for. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh to see corruption. So, Peter goes on to prove here, that David was not writing about himself in these verses. His point is that David saw the Messiah being raised up to sit upon his throne, his physical throne. And of course, to be raised up, he must first have died. 
Understand something. Christ could not have assumed the throne without first having taken the cross. Now, I know that it's a lot of reprogramming because we have always been taught it incorrectly. I've done it myself. I've got the recordings to prove it. And then in verse 32, This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. So his point is that this very one who David was talking about was Jesus. His point is that this very one who David spoke of has resurrected from the dead just as he said they would, and there are witnesses to prove it. And in verse 33, Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. In other words, Jesus is no longer in the grave, but he is sitting at the right hand of God. And the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit that some of them said was the result of drunkenness. But Peter quickly pointed out, no, it was a fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And then in verse 34, For David is not ascended into the heavens, but saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. Peter is referring to Psalm chapter 110, verse number 1, to show that the prophecies were not about David. They were about Christ. And then in verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. Again, who is he talking to here? This is important. He's not talking to Gentiles. He's not talking to a newly formed body of Christ. He is talking to the house of Israel. That God hath made the same Jesus who you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So here's the point of the sermon. The one you crucified is both Lord and Christ, Master and Messiah. And of course, his point was made because in the very next verse, they asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 